Welcome everybody to Life Unedited Working Women. And today my guest is Emily Lucking. Hi, Elisa. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so glad to have you here. If anyone doesn't know, I'm Elisa McCabe. I'm the owner at First Steps Financial, and we provide QuickBooks help and controller and CFO services. But my guest, Emily, is a rock star. She is the founder and executive coach of Power Power Center Coaching. And she founded this company in 2018, and she's developed a coaching practice that serves entrepreneurs and executives and high net worth individuals. And these people want to have self-improvement and business growth. She has been so successful with them that she's been able to double their incomes, help them start businesses, make career changes, and recover from burnout, that we all have that, and release sabotaging mindsets and behaviors. She also does this for corporate trainings, and she can do anything from stress management to leadership development. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much. What a kind introduction. I appreciate it. (laughs) So so you started out life. You you went to law school. You passed the bar, worked in a nonprofit as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. How did you go from that to deciding to be an executive coach? Sure. Well, my first job out of law school, I worked at a really large firm. I was a litigation associate. And interestingly, about a year or two ago, I read a study saying that lawyers with high levels of empathy tend not to last in big law environments. So I was miserable there. I learned a lot, made great contacts, but then I left and I worked in a nonprofit where I was an attorney for abused and neglected children. I was in court three days a week. Um, Definitely getting to use my strength of empathy there, though. I'd already kind of found my way to a softer side of law, right? Um, Then I had a baby. I made less money than a nanny working as a lawyer at a nonprofit. So I took a couple of years off. I briefly went back to work as a divorce lawyer, but that schedule was not very conducive to my lifestyle as a new mom. And I wanted to use my skills where I help people through change and help people with big feelings and get to work with interesting people who are looking for something else out of life. But I wanted to do it on my terms. So I went back to school and I got certified as an executive coach and I started my company. That's awesome. Thank you. Wow. See, now I think that's great because you can use so much from, you know, being an empathetic person. That's really a lot of coaching. Um, So like what advantages did you bring from law school? I mean, that's like serious training. What, you know, what helped you from being a lawyer to being this executive coach and helping people get past themselves pretty much? Well, I think what is the line that everybody says a lawyer says is it depends. (laughs) (laughs) So I think law school probably taught me the power of nuance, right? Like I'm able to look at lots of different situations without judgment, take in the facts and then help people sort of steer in the direction that they want to go in. Um, I also learned about contracts, which is very, very important as a business owner Mm -hmm. and about confidentiality, which is critical in my, in my line of work. Yeah. Oh, wow. I never even thought about that, that you, you have that unbiased intake that lawyers are supposed to have. Mm -hmm. And you also need that as a coach. Oh, Um, so, you know, I want to talk to you about women and money because we work with clients all the time, you know, simplifying their finances, organizing them and gaining insight. And we do find sometimes there's a hurdle to get over that people are afraid of it. 
-hmm. what do you see when you work with women, you know, in your coaching experience, what do you see with women and money? I, I see the same thing. Right? A lot of women have some fear around money. Men do too, but they don't vocalize it as much. Um, I also find that in a lot of my friendships, women will talk more about relationships and men will talk more about business and opportunities to build wealth. So although women are curious about these things, we're not always having these conversations with each other. So I think that's a very important thing that I can bring for my female clients is encouraging them to think about how they're going to build wealth. Well, uh-huh. and that and that's interesting because it's one of the things I was going to ask you. Do you structure your coaching? I, I'm sure that you customize your coaching, but do you do you tend to coach women different differently than men? A, a little bit. I think like I mean, yes, I do customize for everybody. The first three sessions are the same for everybody. Okay. But they could look I'll get very different answers from people and the organic conversation will unfold differently accordingly. Um, But yeah, I mean, I try to talk to people in their language. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm saying things that I think that they need to hear. Sometimes though, it's just listening and reflecting back their values. So you'll find me sometimes talking like a frat boy, if that's who I'm talking to. And sometimes I'm talking more like Glennon Doyle if somebody needs a softer voice. So. And do women come to you? Um, I imagine the issues that women come to must be different. Yes. I think when women tend to uh, probably experience on women. and vocalize more guilt than my male clients do. There's a lot on the plate. Really? And so delegating can feel very uncomfortable to women at first, I think. What do you think? With your I was wife? thinking about relationships. Like, and when you said guilt, it, I went right to relationships. Mm-hmm. I went like right to as a woman, I, guilt is like a constant companion. You worry about, especially as a, um, as a woman in business, I am often thinking of, uh, my family and how everything that I do in my day-to-day life affects my family. Yes. And I, and I often think that, and I always think, and I always would laugh because my, um, my male business owners would have, we would have, um, you know, a meeting on December 23rd. And, and in my mind, I'm laughing because I would be thinking like, you guys got nothing going on. I got like 25 people coming to dinner tomorrow. <laughs> thinking about what I have to make, but they want to, they're working, they have things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, th- and that's not, I, I don't mean to brush it, you know, do a broad stroke on that, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying in my experience, that was what I was thinking. So I'm wondering if you're if the people, if the women that you encounter, especially in executive positions, when women want to move up, mm-hmm. you know, um, are, you said they're struggling with guilt. Is it, is it around relationships or? Yes, there's a lot with, am I doing enough at home mm-hmm. and what the expectations are, mm-hmm. you know, but a lot of that is on themselves. It doesn't always matter um, how the job gets done as long as it does get done. Right. Um, the stories we tell ourselves can really hold us back and make us feel so down. Why do we do that? Why do we self-sabotage? That's what I feel like it is. It's like we, I, I mean, do you think that it could be imposter syndrome that we're concerned about our success and maybe we use those relationships as excuses not to have that success? I mean, That's I don't know. Question. Do you, do you so think- people aren't always quite sure what they want, which is fair. Yeah. You know, sometimes people will come to me not knowing what their coaching goals are. And it's my job to kind of help them figure out their path. And 
I don't mind that at all. I actually kind of love it. I think it's a fun challenge. Yeah. But when we're not aiming at a target, we're definitely not going to hit the target. Right. So it's important for us to establish what, what it is that we want. Yeah. Oh, that must take some digging for you. Is there? Because it's fun though. Oh, oh, good. Um, so, I, so, so you said that too, though, with your clients and their financial goals, that there are some people who might not really have them established when they come in to see you. And true. Yeah. No. So we, we actually have a process that they go through and you said you have the first three sessions are the same. And I imagine it's the, like, it's similar to what we do is when we bring in a client, we go through everything with them. What are your, you know, what do your five-year goals look like? What, you know, do you have a retirement plan in place? Do you have, what's your setup? What's your biggest pain points? Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. What kind of questions are you asking I mean, you don't have to give away your secret sauce. No, I'm happy to describe the first three. So um, the very first meeting, I have a coaching tool that I use and it's called the wheel of life. And I know that sounds incredibly cheesy and I don't care, (laughs) (laughs) but it is like the fastest way for me to get to know somebody. It's a wheel with like career and finance and family and like all, all these different facets of our life. And I ask them to describe each area to me and rank it on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest level of satisfaction. So that just gives me just such a quick overview of what's going on in this person's life, what they spend more time on, um, even in our session can show me what's more important to them, how they're speaking about themselves. And it it just, it's fascinating. Um, It also helps people to open up quickly. Oh yeah. Now just a little bit of structure versus me just sitting there being like, so tell me about yourself. Like, who's <laughs> that question? You know, it's like, what do you want to know? <laughs> you know? So that's the first one. The second okay. one, I have everybody do a strengths assessment. And I use uh, an assessment from Gallup. It's StrengthsFinder. StrengthsFinder 2.0. Yes. Woo-hoo! I love that one. It's so good, isn't it? Oh, I did it with my kids. Oh, that's awesome. I want to do it with my daughter when she's older. Yeah, because yeah. I did it with them when they were in high school to try and give them some direction. I wish someone had done that with me. I I probably would not have gone to law school. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, which, you know, then this, you're familiar. It, it shows you not like you're good at math, but it shows you like you have empathy, positivity, or just various character and personality traits. I find that to be a really exciting meeting because people get, um, reinvigorated about the work that they're doing and show me how their strengths can show up in their life. You know, that's awesome. um, and then the third meeting, I have everybody define their values and I have a values exercise for them to help them distill that down. Cause that's really hard. I find uh, you'd think like, it's so easy to define your values, but if you tell me family, like, no, <laughs> like that, that doesn't count. Like you can't yeah. tell me it's family or travel or, you know, like that. No, 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 no. It's you're, interesting you're here. because we do that exercise with our company. Like when years ago, um, we had to figure out what our values were mm-hmm. and, and it was not easy. And, and just what you're saying, like when you ask somebody what's important to you, what do you, what, you know, what speaks to who you are and what your core values are, mm-hmm. that is a really good conversation. And it's not an easy one. Like you said, it's something that you have to constantly pull things out. Um, ours are collaboration, attention to detail, kindness, and expertise and innovation. Um, and it was not an, it, it didn't start there. It was, we had, I don't know, like 50, we went across the team and said like, what, what's important to us? 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and collaboration, working with someone else, partnering with someone else was really important to us mm-hmm. um, with partnering with our business owners, which I'm sure that's one of your cores too, because you really have to partner with your client mm-hmm. to be able to create success for them. Yes. I am very motivated by connection with people. Um, I wish I was very, very motivated by money. That would be fun. But um, (laughs) I find that like what gets me up in the morning is the conversation I'm going to have, whether we're going to move forward with this person's goals, uh, impact, you know, and I do. I love that. I I agree with you. It's the connection. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's talking with somebody else about their goals, their life, and you get to be a part of it and help them. Yes. And that is cool too about both of our jobs, Louisa, is that we get to hear about a lot of other people's jobs. Yes. We get to learn so much and experience so much variety just from doing what we do best, I guess. You know? And I feel like it feeds my ADD. I don't have to own 10 businesses. I can just live vicariously through other people. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You get to learn so much. Oh, it is. And I, and, and, and that in itself is a unique because then in turn, you and I can both help our clients better because we know about so many different businesses. So I have to ask you about the pandemic. Have you seen changes in coaching over the last two years? Yes. When I first started my business, it was all face-to-face. I obviously moved to Zoom when the pandemic started and my business grew a lot. I was very fortunate with that. I think people had more time on their hands mm-hmm. and people were more comfortable seeking a service like coaching by Zoom versus in person. It was, mm. it became normalized. So um, when people had more time, they were able to examine their lives. And like maybe this isn't whether, where they wanted to be. Um, maybe they needed some extra coping strategies too, to get through this. Um, And it's funny, you and I were talking about mental health too. Mm -hmm. We we were having a discussion uh, previous that, you know, there has been a a shortage of time to be able to go see a therapist or well, actually therapists are short on time. People are on waiting lists to see therapists. And, um, and, you know, you actually made a really interesting point about men coming to you for coaching. Mm -hmm. So I think that some of my male clients who come to me really would love to go see a therapist, but don't love the word therapist. And a coach sounds more masculine and it sounds more approachable and maybe a little bit more fun. So um, yeah, therapist doesn't sound, it doesn't, it doesn't elicit the same, (laughs) the same ideas because, you know, when you have coaching, it's really about someone being on the sidelines and you're out there playing, you're doing all the action and they're just helping direct you which yes. I don't think we think of therapy like that, but it, it actually is. That is truly what therapy is like too. But, well, I'm not a therapist and I'm not qualified to help treat anxiety, depression, et cetera. Um, I encourage people to go to therapy. I think it's a beautiful, wonderful tool. Oh, absolutely. Able, but I, I feel like very fortunate to get to help people along on their journeys, whether it's um, managing stress, which we all have, mm-hmm. and or if it's uh, just trying to make more money, you know? Yeah. And figuring out the path to get there and what makes sense for them. Um, I wanted to talk to you about a study that I saw. Um, 
and Bentley University did it. And it was a study that they did with millennials and recruiters and other business leaders. And they asked them about women in business. And some of the statistics were, you know, the respondents thought 90% of women have what it takes to succeed. And, and some people, um, business leaders said that they consider women better suited for business success in terms of organizational communication and interpersonal skills. But overall, they believed that men were better suited to succeed in today's business climate, which was shocking to me. But then, you know, we see in today that um, we see that women don't rise in the same ranks as men in the same numbers to the top positions. Right. And, um, you know, we're just thinking along those signs, like, why is that? You know, why? you know, given what you know, and in your background, and, and just being a business owner yourself, why do you think it is that even though we believe it says the study says, we believe women can do these things, but, but it's not translating. I noticed that women, as women, we can tell ourselves no, before giving anyone else the opportunity to, we won't shoot our shot in the same way as some men will. And this is a generalization, of course. There's some women who will go for it and there's some men who really need that confidence boost to go for it too. Um, but I always tell people, don't be the one to tell yourself no. Like, <laughs> apply, see what you see what happens. You know, yeah. let someone else tell you no. Yeah. Um, no, that's so that's a really good point. There's a bit of self-selection too. Like would I want to be a CEO of a large company? No. Small, yeah, yeah, but large? No, are you kidding me? Like that sounds very stressful. <laughs> and you know, and, and and I think and I think women weigh the trade-offs because we know there's trade-offs. Yes. So it's not that we aren't capable of doing those positions. We actually are. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, the women on my team are incredible at working with small business owners because they know how to handle crisis. They know how to look at different situations and find solutions quickly. It's what we do all the time. Mm-hmm. I think women realize in those top positions, there are trade-offs. Yes. Right. So, Here's a quote, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So it is sort of what is important to me? How do I want to spend my time? And yeah. No, and I think, yeah. and I wonder if the pandemic has done that to us. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen, have you seen people reevaluate things because of the pandemic? I ha- I've seen a lot of roles shift too, though. Like a lot of opportunities have arisen in certain ways. I think wow. there are a lot of, um, available jobs, which is cool. Like yeah. so are making changes. Um, there's more opportunity to work remotely, um, a bit more flexibility than there was before, but there's also a childcare crisis. Like, <laughs> there there just is like schools have been canceled like who has to sit and do zoom kindergarten with like that was horrible for women in our country I can't I mean we had like 2.6 million women leave the workforce no kidding yeah like they're lucky not every woman with children left I mean it was absolutely yeah it's a feminist issue not having children in school in my opinion oh it's I totally agree. It's so, and, and, and I think that's part of the reason why Mm -hmm. women don't rise to those levels because Mm -hmm. we worry about childcare. We worry about the quality of our child's life more. So not saying that men don't, because they absolutely do. I I think we worry in a different way. 
Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, we think it's either or. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't, we are not thinking, but I actually think that business is not built right now for women to be in powerful positions. If you are in a powerful position, it's, you really are making a choice. And it's funny right. because I do know some women that are in incredibly powerful positions, but their husbands were home or retired or didn't work, or there was another support system for them, which right. is great. Right. You yes. know, often something has to give yeah. if you're going to have children, like there has to be someone who can like the childcare falls through and it's, there's random days off and who knows, but, and, and stuff happens, stuff happens. like you get that, sick, you know, or. Yeah. And actually I, I do have to laugh when people tell me I'm waiting till I'm ready to have kids. I'm like, ah, you, you can never be ready for that shit show <laughs> <laughs> because it, it just happens. And mm-hmm. you build grit as a, as a mother, Yes, you know, when, you know, as a parent, you build grit, just having kids. Absolutely. Um, it teaches us a lot about uh, control, right. About how much is not in our control and how much we need to surrender to the flow and certain things just fall off our backs a little bit more easily, I would say, than maybe in our twenties. But no, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, I think this comes from just as you, as you get older, you have a certain, you have a set, set idea of how things should be. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older and you get more life experience, you go, mm, maybe not so much. <laughs> and you start to become a little more flexible. And it's funny because, um, uh, we actually, uh, Lisa Snyder mentioned grit is a, is the book that we read. We actually have a business book club and cool. we read grit and it was phenomenal. And it really talked a lot about how people get grit and, and people with grit succeed mm-hmm. over smarts. Interesting. Yeah. I enjoy your business book club. Oh, honey, I'll send you a link to it. Yes, it is so you. much fun. Actually, uh, Jane is on here and Lisa are both in, uh, our business book club. We just finished atomic habits. Oh, cool. And- I don't know I what we're doing. just watched a YouTube video on that. Did, of, oh, did you with uh, yeah. Brene Brown? Uh, no, it was sort of a summary, like a cliff notes of the oh, book. Okay. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, everybody's reading this book and I have like 10 books on my nightstand right now. So let me that, see the, the half hour cliff notes. What a slacker. But uh, that is why I started the business book club because I had all these books I wanted to read mm-hmm. and I had no time to do it. Well, okay. Technically, I don't know why, but I'm finding the time now, but it's because I'm being held accountable. So it's that connection piece. See, we're a lot of people are driven. I think like by connection Mm -hmm. by others, like there's a reason group fitness exists for, you know, and, um, there are some people who get up at five in the morning and work out on their treadmill. That's not most of us. (laughs) (laughs) We want someone (laughs) noticing whether we're there or not, or having a conversation and that human connection can, I mean, that's part of why I have a job, you know? It's helping people stay accountable and talk about their work and mm-hmm. show up for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's true. And, and if they didn't have you, they wouldn't accomplish what they do accomplish because mm-hmm. there's no one, they don't have a connection to somebody. They don't want to disappoint you. They, they feel like they have to be accountable to you. And I, I love that. And that's why we started it. And so I don't know how many books we've read at this point, but we've gone through probably seven or eight and I know I never would have read this many in a year. So um, I'll definitely invite you into that. Um, Is there, I'm actually going to put in the chat uh, different ways to get in touch with you. So we have her 
we have your Instagram account and your website account. And if anybody would like to reach out to Emily and book some time with her, it is well worth it. Have the conversation with Emily and she can help work through what's stopping you from achieving greatness. And I'm so glad you were here. Thank you so much. So much fun. Such a great conversation. All right. We're going to have to, we're going to have to follow up. I want to, I'm so intrigued to see what happens in the coming year for women. And I just wonder if you're going to have a surge of women coming in because they're not going back to traditional jobs and they're going to go. I love my female entrepreneurs. Aren't they the best? They're so much fun. They're so kick-ass. They are so like, let's get it done and let's keep Mm -hmm. moving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny because our female entrepreneurs are, they know that they, they know that they don't know enough about the financial side. Mm -hmm. And so they're really happy to reach out for help. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it really easy to work with them. So that's fantastic. Next week we have, uh, Jennifer Renette Rattel. Oh my God. Let me say her name again. Jennifer Rattel Thompson, also known as JRT, and Jen Valenia, um, the co-founders at Voice First World. They're going to kill me. I'm going to have to have them say their names when they come on. They are, <laughs> they're co-founders of the virtual coaching company called Voice First World, and they coach women to speak with presence and to advance their careers in the digital, digital age. They are, these two women, um, they, one of them came out of theater. She was actually the head of theater, I believe at Kansas, Kansas state. Um, and she ran the whole theater program and she is so amazing. And her co-founder JRT runs the whole operational side. Mm -hmm. And I'm really looking forward to talking to them because they empower women to speak their voice. I love it. I'll definitely be tuning in. Yeah. All right. It was great seeing you, Emily. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everybody. I will uh, talk to everybody soon. Thanks for listening to Life Unedited Working Women, a production of Smart Boss Media. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd like even more to help your business grow. If you have any questions or want to contact any of the folks on this podcast, you can just email us at info at smartboss.media. Also at smartboss.media, you'll find any resources and links that go along with this podcast. And you can find links to other podcasts and resources for entrepreneurs and learn how Smart Boss Media can help you get your business podcast launched and listened to, like this one is. It's your one stop for information to help you listen, create, and thrive as an entrepreneur. Visit smartboss.media.